This episode of the If You Ask Betty podcast is brought to you by TechSmith Academy. TechSmith Academy is a free resource full of practical information to help you create amazing videos and imagery. Check it out at academy.techsmith.com. Welcome to the If You Ask Betty podcast. This podcast is designed to discuss all kinds of development topics for all kinds of learning professionals. I'm your host, Betty Danowitz, and today we'll be talking with Colette Boynton about how she made the leap from K-12 to corporate L&D and the lessons she has learned along the way. Hi, Colette. (laughs) Hi. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Could you help our listeners get to know you a little bit better? Can you give us a quick intro about you and maybe even how we met? Sure, absolutely. Thanks. So yeah, um, like you said, my name's Colette. I uh, live in Illinois. I'm a little south of Chicago. And currently, I'm the global training manager at Insono, which is um, an IT service management company. Um, The corporate office is out of Downers Grove. And I started there as an instructional designer, training specialist, uh, fall of 2018. It was really scary. Because like you mentioned, it was this huge career shift. I'd spent 25 years in the classroom as a K-12 special education teacher. And so I was moving into this uh, new role. And then in the following fall of 2019, I and some of my team were able to go to the DevLearn conference in Las Vegas, which was amazing. And while I was there, I was part of a mini presentation that was given. And that's where you and I met. And so we had some follow-up afterwards through LinkedIn and social media and have been sharing resources and our experiences. And I've just really loved all the support from you. It's made it made a world of difference. Oh, I'm so glad to support you. And I know that you have a couple of conference sessions that are kind of marinating around accessibility. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I was a special education teacher. So a lot of what I did centered around how to use technology to help kids in the classroom. And I realized that's really applicable in the corporate world as well. Extremely so. And it's really not thought of, mm-hmm. not top of mind for most corporate L&D teams to be thinking right. about accessibility. Yeah, um, it, You know, it's just starting to be where people who need more accessible resources are speaking up. Mm-hmm. And, and like even in my previous job, as we started to hear rumblings of people who needed larger font sizes or different font colors or um, or even things like, you know, visual disturbances that they have that yes. they needed to make adjustments for. So starting to sort of see that bubble up a little bit. Yes. One of the first things that um, came up that made me think of it in my new position was our compliance training we had at the company I worked at, I was only there a few months. We had a new associate who contacted us because he had a visual disability and had tried to complete our compliance training, which was on HIPAA. And he had said that there was a question that referenced information that that was text that was embedded in a picture. And he has accessibility things, but that doesn't, it can't read text out of a picture. Mm -hmm. And um, we were like, wow, even though it was labeled as compliant, it really wasn't. <laughs> so it was, it was interesting. Yeah, that's, um, that's a great example. That's a great example of some of the things that are the nuances that are starting to sort of appear in corporate mm-hmm. L&D that we have to be aware of. So uh, those of you who are keeping track, 
Paulette Boynton will soon be on the conference circuits with <laughs> something around accessibility. I just know it's going to happen. Um, yep. Anyways, so speaking of conferences, so when you were at DevLearn and you were part of like this mini presentation, I was really, we had not met. I did not know you. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody on this, except the only person I knew was uh, Bianca Woods, who was like the MC for it. Yeah, she was wonderful. She's she's so nice. She's been on the podcast twice. Nice. The only guest I've had twice. Anyways, so I mean, I mean, it might she. Okay, I'll just tell you, she's my L and D girl crush. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. I can see I why that in the most platonic, professional <laughs> way possible. She's so awesome. She's just got so much energy. And if I could just do the victory rolls in my hair, we could be twins. Exactly. Be oh my goodness. <clears throat> Anyways, so enough about Bianca. But um, so she was she was hosting this, and there was like ten people. Mm-hmm. You were one of them that had not done a presentation yet, wanted to kind of dip their toe in. And so you guys were all talking about really cool tools that people could use, and mm-hmm. you talked about one that I was so excited to learn more about, and that was Flipgrid. Mm-hmm. So, so just, I mean, this podcast is not about Flipgrid, but can you tell the listeners what is Flipgrid and how how have you used it effectively for learning anywhere in learning? Sure. So Flipgrid was, uh, it's an online platform that you can sign up for. It's free. It's just at flipgrid.com. You sign up um, under an educator's account. And when you create the account, you create then what are called grids. And the grids are targeted at specific groups, and then you can post a question either through text or you can record a video of your question or statement, whatever you're looking to get as a response, and then share that with your learners. And then the learners log in and they create a video response. So it's very social Uh, Mm media-esque. They can answer through this video uh, chat and they can do it through an uh, app on their phone. They can do it through their computer. They do have the option to edit it and redo it and check it out and stuff before they do it. I'd used it in the classroom quite a bit. It was newer, but I'd gotten it from an educational conference the year before. And when I started here in the corporate world, I started to see where that was something that like they weren't aware of that. And I could see uses for it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the first thing we, the first time I used it at my current position in Sono was our summer internship program. We had uh, different interns. We usually have about 30, but they're all spread out in different departments. There's just like one or two in this department, one over here. And we wanted them to get to know one another. And then the leadership wanted to know more about who our interns were. So we opened up a grid and our first assignment to them was just an introductory grid. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and your personality and stuff. So they would post those. And then they can see each other's video response. They can comment on it. They can do emojis and responses. Um, And then you can also do what's now called a mixtape where you stitch them all together. So we were able to stitch those all together and send them to the leadership. So when the leadership met with them, they didn't have to spend the first 20 minutes of a meeting going around the table. Tell us a little bit about yourself. They kind of had that already up front. And then each week we would give them a different prompt. So sometimes it wasn't related to the training. We asked them um, their impression of something that they had learned from that week, or we asked them uh, to reinforce what they had learned to say, like, how did you use this or how might you be able to use this in the future? And it was just a really great way to get them engaged rather than just 
typing back or just a survey response back. And going forward, we're starting to use it more. Like I said, we've used it as reinforcement for training. Uh, We've used Mm -hmm. it to get information prior to a training. We had one where some leaders and management were coming and asking for some training around how do you have the difficult conversations when you're getting ready for performance reviews, when you have to talk to a an associate about something that's not going well. So we asked them through the Flipgrid to give us some examples of hypothetical situations. And that way they were able to comment, see them ahead of time before the training, comment on each other and say, yeah, I've had that too. Or they even were able to give some suggestions to one another. And then going into the training, we kind of had some foundation there. So we all kind of had a common ground to work on. Uh, We're also getting ready in January, our company has a big sales kickoff meeting for the new year. And one of the things they wanted us to do is kind of a pitch contest for the sales team. So we're going to be giving them some hypothetical clients, and this is the situation, and we're going to be using Flipgrid to ask them to give their five-minute pitch that they would make if they were to be in front of this client for the first time and how they would do that. So we found a lot of different ways, I think, to apply it in the corporate setting that have been really engaging and fun, and we've had a lot of good response from the users. I love every single use case that you just laid out, and they're perfect. <laughs> they are they are perfectly aligned with corporate education. Mm-hmm. I think what happens is we see that it's free. Yes, free is wonderful. It, but well, we're like it can't be any good. Mm-hmm. But y'all need to try Flipgrid. I love Flipgrid. I see so much mass potential. You've already tapped into quite a bit of it. Maybe maybe your conference session should be about Flipgrid. Maybe. <laughs> have a lot to say and a lot of examples. So I think it could be yeah. a good one. With the whole COVID situation, it's just the more opportunities you can have where you're face-to-face or, or not face-to-face, but seeing the person and the responses, yeah. you know, other than a Zoom call. <laughs> right. Agreed. Yeah. So, and my daughter recently had an assignment with it too. She's in middle school. I have a seventh mm-hmm. grader. Um, and so she came down and she was, I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm getting ready to do my Flipgrid assignment. I said, I know Flipgrid. She said, you do? <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, it's a really cool tool. She's like, <laughs> yeah, I like it. And my daughter's very introverted. Mm-hmm. So this is actually very helpful to her yes. because she can do it. And then she gets to see it and decide if it's good enough before she posts it. So it's not something that's really live. So she gets that moment to take a look at it and say, am I comfortable enough with this and get used to the idea that she's about to put it out there. So it's an excellent tool for, for introverts. Absolutely. That's just really super interesting that you would bring that up because when I was teaching, it wasn't myself, it was a fellow teacher. She had a student who was selectively mute and uh, would not speak at school, but she would talk at home and was fine, but was not comfortable speaking at school. And that was right around the time that this uh, became available. So this young lady would be able to be at home and feel comfortable enough and do a video response that they could show at school and the teacher and the other students could watch. So it was an enormous breakdown of that barrier for her. Making it accessible for her. Mm-hmm. See what we did there? There you go. Oh, just bringing it all around. <laughs> oh, accessibility and Flipgrid. Oh, Colette, this is coming together. <laughs> all right. So anyways, so I love Flipgrid, but what, like I said, this podcast is not about Flipgrid. But we, mm-hmm. as we were chatting about Flipgrid, mm-hmm. I mentioned to you that there really seems to be a mass exodus from K through 12 right now. And this was pre-COVID that we were talking. 
Um, and I said, you know, many are moving to corporate L&D, just like you did. And some are even looking to higher education. So would you tell us how did you get to where you are now? Sort of what prompted you to make that leap? Sure. Uh, again, I spent a long time in education, specifically in special education. And I kind of, I felt like, it, not to be immodest, I really worked hard and I loved it. And I was kind of at the top of my game. I really enjoyed it and I needed a new challenge. And I did go back first for a master's degree in administration and really struggled with that. It, there's really limited uh, administration spots. It's, it's still, education is still mainly women, but administration is still highly dominated by men. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it was just, I really wasn't getting anywhere with that. And so I did some self-evaluation and I sat down and wanted to say, like, what is it that I really enjoyed about what I was doing? Because there's a lot of things I wasn't enjoying. I didn't, there was a huge loss of autonomy in the classroom as more and more things are dictated through um, the standards and the government and just trying to standardize learning in the classroom and standardize the expectations through Common Core which sounds good and, and everything, but the reality is until you can standardize the resources and the experiences that the kids have, you can't expect them to all be performing at the same level when you're not equitably funding schools and promoting them. Uh, education as a teacher, like you just were beating your head against the, the wall every single day. So I did some self-evaluation and thought, what is it that I really still was passionate about and really enjoyed. And I loved technology. My last district I worked at was technology rich. Um, the administration was really supportive. And I really saw how it opened up curriculum to everybody without making it blatantly obvious who was getting extra help or not, you know? Right. And I think this year through COVID, of course, you can definitely see technology was going to be an important part of education. Um, but the, the other part was just the curriculum and the lesson planning, that creative part of it, I really loved. And so I researched and I found out more about instructional design. And so I went back to school and got an, a second master's degree for instructional design and technology through Concordia University out of Chicago. And I was like, oh, wow, like I really felt for the first time in a long time that I was learning something new about something mm -hmm. that I was really confident about. I was like, oh, there's like this whole other side of this when you get into adult learning theory and how learning happens in the workplace as opposed to the classroom. So when I completed that, um, I started putting my feelers out and looking for a job. And I, to be honest with you, I was still hesitant. I was still um, very anxious. I thought, that as a teacher in a corporate world, I was just going to be a complete fish out of water. <laughs> and I actually, the opportunity that fell in my lap, I absolutely was part luck. Uh, my husband's company, which was in Sono, my husband works for the same company, had expanded. They had done a bunch of acquisitions over the last few years and had become global, where before they were mainly out of the United States. And they had developed a training and development department, which was one person, <laughs> my boss, uh -huh. uh, Teresa, and it was her and a summer intern. And she was looking for some guidance and 
and some help. And my husband was like, hey, this is what my wife's been doing. And so her and I started to chat and talk and I gave her some information and resources I had around LMS systems because they were just getting ready to look and implement a new LMS system. Mm -hmm. And uh, so in through that, she asked if I was interested and she they were able to get in a position approved for me. And August 15th, which was like the day before school would have started again for me, um, was was my first day at Insono and, and walked in and started that new adventure. That's awesome. And that was 2019? 2018, 2018, fall of 2018. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very cool. So it sounds like to me that you followed the thing that you love to do the most. Absolutely. Yeah. And, that, yeah. And, and, that, and I love that because, you know, if someone were to come to me and say, okay, I'm so miserable, like, but I don't know what to do next. My first thing is what is it about your job that you do now that you yeah. really love? If the exactly. answer is nothing, then you you need to you're in, you're in like a month in Barbados or something like you're gonna need to go and find yourself. But most of the time, there is some piece of your job, existing job, that you're like, I could do this all day and it'd be fine. And that's it. That's where you start. And so that's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad to see that's what led you over. So what? Looking back, what did you really like about working in K through twelve? Because you were there for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. I really um. It, absolutely like making connections with people with whether it's the students the other staff I worked with the communities and the families um I'm an extrovert like I need to be around people and have that energy so I knew I needed something where I was still going to be able to work and then in education it was just creating those aha moments like putting the stuff out there and seeing the light bulbs come on and and knowing that somebody has has gained something from from what you were helping them with um facilitating somebody else learning something new was definitely the things that I really enjoyed and that was what I was concerned about was that I was going to miss working with the kids what I found out is there's not a whole lot of difference <laughs> between really working with eighth graders in corporate America there's not a big leap there it's really not it's <laughs> not and um I love middle schoolers too by the way just let's yeah just, I just put that in my, my most people are like oh my gosh how can you say that that's my favorite age yeah the boys have still have no idea what they're doing and the girls <laughs> have started to kind of figure it out. And so to see them interact together is mm-hmm. hysterical. It's like watching Comedy Central all day long. Like exactly. Just amazing. But um, anyways, that was just an aside. But but yeah, so I agree with you, eighth graders and, and corporate. And there's there's not that's not saying anything bad about corporate America or eighth no, graders. No, no. Just where we're at. I mean, it's just it, they look a little different and they probably smell better. The corporate people. <laughs> true. That's but true. Outside of that, it's pretty much the same. Yeah. But it's it's fun because even in the corporate world, like when we're doing instructor-led stuff, they can get just as excited about yeah. what they're uh-huh. doing if you do it in an engaging way. And it's so fun. So if you're out there and you're one of those people that holds back, don't mm-hmm. because your facilitator needs it. You yeah. need to know that you're having yeah. a good time. <laughs> it yeah. really is important. Hey there, I gotta pause the show for just a minute to talk a little more about TechSmith Academy. I recently stumbled upon this awesome resource and I was very impressed. 
TechSmith Academy is a free resource full of practical information to help you create amazing videos and imagery. One particular course in the Academy is called Advice from Experienced Learning Professionals for Anyone Creating Training. This is not just hot tips, but comprehensive interviews with 14 experts. Experts like Bob Pike, Kara North, Craig Siebert, Debbie Richards, Jill Ganchi, Kevin Thorne, Tim Slade, and more. These awesome experts provide their personal insight for all aspects of training. This is just one of the many awesome resources that you'll find. Check it out today at academy.techsmith.com. Okay, back to the show. Is, uh, is there anything that you kind of miss about working in K-12? Um, yeah, yeah, there is. Like I said, I, I, I do miss working with kids. You, it, it is very similar, but it is also different. Um, you get to have a more personal relationship because you're working with the same group of kids for the entire year. So mm-hmm. you really make those connections. Uh, I was really excited, however, this year, uh, the executive in my area, Meredith, and the CEO of our company, Jeff, wanted to start kind of an outreach program. And so we started a, an internship program for high school students. And so they knew, uh, they came to me and Teresa, my boss, from, you know, being in learning background and stuff. And so we kicked that off in November. And they did an outreach to uh, Chicago Charter School here, Chicago Tech Academy, and we now have seven high school students that are doing uh, five to 10 hours a week as a, an internship program, and we're developing it. We're still in the process of develop, developing it, but the intention is it's going to be a two-year program. They're juniors now where they would have the possibility at high school graduation, if they were interested, to have a full-time open position with us when they graduate. That's so cool. Yeah, very excited about that. So, so you get to blend that in a little bit. Exactly. You, oh, that, look at you. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. So that leads me to my next question, which was mm-hmm. going to be like, what keeps you in corporate? What stokes your fire? And so definitely getting a chance to blend those programs, I'm sure yeah. that, that lights up your board. What else What else keeps you there? Um, ag- again, in the classroom, I was really confident in my abilities and what I knew. And I was kind of that go-to person for a lot of my teammates. And it was a good challenge for me to move into this because I have learned so much new things. And that's kept me passionate about what I do. Um, learning about all the different areas of the company I work in it's, and working with all the different subject matter experts. And being able to see now, I've been there a little over two years, seeing the programs we're developing, like the internship programs, and we have these internal academy programs where we take people from like intro level to intermediate and advanced skills and putting all that curriculum and stuff together has been amazing. And I've gotten back the things that I was missing in the classroom. I've gotten more autonomy in what I do. There's certainly much better recognition for mm-hmm. what you do as well as compensation for what you do. Sure. And um, that and just being, it sounds so silly, but I tell people all the time, just being able to go to the bathroom whenever I want. Whenever to. you <laughs> want to. It's huge. You just stand up and go, you just yeah. walk, walk down the hall. That's yeah. it. You don't have to tell exactly. nobody. 
You don't got to get somebody to watch your room. Yeah. You don't got to worry about who's going to be doing what when you get back. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. The first few months, uh, like working in the office, it was just such a mental adjustment for me that there isn't a bell schedule that I have to follow. And and I was in charge of my own day and in charge of my own time and how I wanted to manage that. It was huge. That's really cool. That's really cool. So <laughs> so if anybody, so somebody's going to go back after they listen to this and be like, this lady said the best thing about working as corporate is she can go to the bathroom whenever she wants. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. You are correct. You heard if, that right. If you come out of education, yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Um, okay, so other than being able to use the restroom yeah. whenever you want, uh, what are some things that you've been able to do in corporate L&D that are really different than what you could do in the K-12 through environment? Yeah, I think in going into this in the corporate environment, um, not all companies are like that, but our company recognizes the value of learning and development and training and are starting to invest more in it, and especially as we've grown. And because of that, the resources are there to do and, and try things and expand. And that's been a huge thing that's been different is, again, going back to that autonomy of what you're working on, working with different teams and different groups. It's like every day is new. Every day is a different challenge. Um, being able to develop full programs and see them through from start to finish. Like uh, our mainframe academy is a program for, our, they start with our college internship program. They come in and they learn the basics of mainframe computing and then at the end of that opportunity, they're evaluated and then offered a position. And then they go to join different teams. And then I'll find out like a year later, they're making walkthrough videos that our team is getting to turn into training for, for the other teams. So just kind of seeing that full circle That's cool. is amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't know that we would want to do that K through 12. No. Yeah. You know, you have them for the year. And, and I... I do have still contacts of previous students, which is great, but you don't have that same level of influence on them and their programming all the way through. Yeah. And I don't think you'd want them coming back and helping you teach it. No, no, <laughs> not like, always. I feel like it's not a good idea. Um, <laughs> I can just like, I'm just imagining my own kid, like just coming back to teach algebra in seventh grade. I think <laughs> it would not work out for anybody. It would not be a good yep. time. Um, okay. So what are some things like if you really had to kind of boil it down, cause you've shared a lot with us and I appreciate that because mm -hmm. you've really shared sort of even down to your feelings, right? So like mm -hmm. what, if you had to boil it down, what are some things that you say you've really learned along this, along this journey from K through 12 to corporate? Um, I would say one of the biggest things, and I think it's been really clear this year is that when you talk about learning in any setting, it is about those connections. And although e-learning is definitely growing and is wonderful and has its purpose, I don't think instructor-led training is ever going to be eliminated. You, mm -hmm. you need that person, uh, that personal uh, opportunity to connect. You need the opportunity to discuss and deconstruct ideas and share and brainstorm. And that's just uh, not going to go away. And I do think that the situation this year has highlighted both in school and in corporate, the importance of 
training and development and instructional design and having that kind of full wraparound program Mm -hmm. where there's opportunities for online learning and that meets some people's needs. Again, going back to accessibility, um, Mm -hmm. some people learn best that way. Some people do need that connection and that opportunity to discuss ideas and share. And then there also always needs to be kind of that reinforcement part afterwards to make sure that what they're learning, they're applying. And that's definitely something I think that I've seen this year, especially as we've just gone through this whole pandemic situation. Yeah. And, and it's funny that the things that COVID has brought to us far outnumber mm-hmm. the things that it has kept us from. Now, some people yeah. will say that's not true. And you're probably right. But nevertheless, <laughs> I'm still going to value some of the things that having to change. Yeah has has done for us and and I will never value covid like so I always think exactly. that covid is like this dark this dark creature that's like not really scary but annoying and just sitting there looking at me like haha you can't leave your house <laughs> and like <laughs> I don't know I just that helps me like not it actually helps me be less afraid mm-hmm. you know by just imagining and personifying him that way but or her whatever uh, <laughs> it, that way but my point is that because we've had to make these changes, so many other changes have happened that yeah. we will be grateful for. Yes. Right now, we're still, you know, mourning the loss of our previous lives and the mm-hmm. way we used to do things. And we'll do, we'll continue to mourn that for a while because it's going to, folks, we got a little bit longer. Just like, yep. hold on. We got a little bit longer. But, Absolutely. But you know what? Like w- those things, and those things are some of the things that you're, I'm just rambling now, but those are some of the things that you're mentioning, like, you know, the ability to work remotely, the, yeah. the way that now all of a sudden we've had to change the way we look at learning and development. And we now miss being in person. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't miss it before. We were like, yeah. oh gosh, not another class. I got to get up early and it's going to take forever. And I'm going to be sweaty, moving tables. But I would <laughs> love to do that right now. I would be so down for that. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So those are great lessons. Anything else that you learned that you want to share? Um, just the same thing. I think the accessibility and in teaching in the school and working with students, um, there's been more focus on keeping students that did have challenges in the regular classroom, which I totally support. But the reality, the the extension of that is I never really thought as much beyond the classroom that they were also going to go into workplaces and how much that wasn't being addressed in the workplace and how important that is to bring it in. So again, kind of bringing it all back full circle, it does come back to the the knowledge I have for the accessibility I've, has been something that is at the forefront of my mind when I'm at work as well. Mm-hmm. And, and just mm-hmm. exactly that, like there have been many people with er- different disabilities that have looked for the accommodation of being able to work from home and that's been denied for us a long time. And now this has kind of shown that, yeah, that's not that big of a leap, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm hopeful that the next five, 10 years, we're going to see a better balance of that, that as we look to more diversity and inclusion of all areas in the workplace, that we're going to be finally addressing some of those areas of accessibility for people with different areas of disability. Yeah, agreed. And I love that um, you've got those conference sessions percolating and now there's <laughs> another one, including Flipgrid. So there we go. Yep. Um, see how I did that? See how I did that? I'm, I'm 
gently pushing you. The master. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so what would you say to someone who's thinking about making the same or maybe a similar leap that you did? What kind of advice do you have? Um, I think you have to push past your fears. <laughs> um, it, any kind of a change, a big change is scary, but that's also some of the benefits of it. After I was in a position where I was very comfortable and you have to be willing to, to step up and out of your comfort zone. I've had a lot of teachers and educator friends contact me and be like, how are you doing this? And you really don't have to have a full degree in instructional design. There's a lot of resources out there. There's a uh, both free and reasonably priced uh, resources. There's things like podcasts with Betty. Um, (laughs) There's just, there's a lot of information out there. So I think if it's something that uh, someone else who is an educator is looking to move into, just take the leap, spend some time, do the research, um, go into the resources that are there. And you're going to be really surprised how much of what you're doing in the classroom now is not just going to make you successful in a learning and instructional design type position, but like sought after and very valuable in the position that you're in. Thank you very much from all of us who do not have two master's degrees. <laughs> or, or, and there are a lot of us for saying you don't really have to have that. No, like, no. Like, because sometimes it feels like we put that pressure on ourselves because mm-hmm. that's that's sort of what our parents have always said. That's what that's what we've been brought to believe is that you got to have this degree and a degree in what it is that you do. Yeah. The truth is, no, not really. And most no. people don't even go out and do the thing that they got a degree in. My my exactly. husband, love my husband. He has a degree in accounting, which is great because mm-hmm. I want nothing to do with that. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. And but he works at the Home Depot. Yeah, and he loves his job. He's a supervisor. He's uh, he's part of the merchandising team. He absolutely loves it, and he's got a degree in accounting. Not using exactly. it, but you know, but getting the degree also helped him get promoted. So I'm not saying that right. that it was a bad thing, right? But Home Depot paid for most of it, uh huh? You know what I'm saying? So like, there are good reasons to do it. It's just you don't have to. Don't wait for that. No, that's no, not the entry point. And that's I, I think that is one of the other things that's really changing in the world. I mean, Google has come out with their online learning opportunities um, at our company because we support IT. It's not just mainframe. We support uh, cloud applications Mm -hmm. and cloud systems as well. Microsoft has come out with a whole training platform and stuff. The world is opening up thanks to the internet and social learning, and you really don't. And it's great. I, I Personally, I obviously, I love learning. If I could be a, a college student or a college professor, I would absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's not necessary. There's just so many opportunities and so many ways to get the knowledge you need. Maybe in another 10 or 12 years, you could move from corporate to yeah, yeah. higher ed. I mean, my, I mean, just make the rounds. Yep. I'm looking for that <laughs> PhD next. <laughs> but for right now, see right where now. you are because I know you're making a big impact. Um, and I know that they're loving having you. And I don't even have to talk to anybody to know that's true. Because the, <laughs> kind, of, the kind of stuff you're producing is so needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really do. I will encourage you just one more time to share that. I know you've shared it here. But like, 
you know, if you get the opportunity to get in front of other L&D folks and share your story and then also share what you know about accessibility, it's so valuable. Um, and to see it through that corporate lens is, uh, it's just, is even more amazing and helpful. So um, I am so glad we finally did this. I don't know if you guys yeah. know this, but we've been talking about this for, I don't know, a year and a like half. A year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like this is, you're one of my, you're one of the ones I couldn't quite catch, but that was also partly my fault too. No, so, no, no. It's been great. It's been, it's I, been I like great. this. This is like new year. Good start. Yeah. I'm happy about that. It is coming up here. Um, and I'm yep. just going to take a moment to plug one of those organizations that you were talking about where you can get information about how to be an instructional designer mm-hmm. at a low cost, a lot less than a degree. And one of them is where you can find my augmented reality classes, which mm-hmm. is uh, e-learning launch with um, Alex Salas. He teaches you know, instructional design 101. I don't think that's what it's actually called. It's going to be mad at me because I said the wrong thing. But like, it's basically how to become an ID. And mm-hmm. it's it's geared at folks coming out of K through 12 or leaving higher ed, which by the way, has a lot of the same issues, a lot of similar Absolutely. issues that K through 12 does. Yeah. Um, as far as like not having the autonomy over your own work. Um, but, but yeah, the, those people are, are wanting to move into the instructional design role. And so, you know, that's, that's a great way to get some information. It's probably not the only way, but it's definitely a great way that you could go in and for a very low cost, like less than 500 bucks a year, Again, if I said that wrong, he's going to be so mad. You can get like all the classes you can take, you know, in his, in the membership. So, so yeah, so I, I'm so glad to hear that you say all of those things. I think that's awesome advice. Yeah. So as we are wrapping up, mm-hmm. I want to ask you a couple of quick questions that I ask mm-hmm. all of my guests. Sure. And so the first one is, how do you align your passion with your work? I would say it goes back to, like I said, I personally, I love learning new things. I always have a new hobby going. I'm always like, since COVID has started, I have gone back to crocheting that my grandmother taught me years ago, scrapbooking. I'm learning new programs. Like I myself am very passionate about learning. And so it's been great because I think that comes across in the workplace too. I'm excited about what I'm doing. So it it's noticed by the people I work with. Um, and because of that, like I'm, I'm happy and I, and this is what lights my fire. So it makes it easier when I go in and do presentations or create online learning opportunities. I put that into there. I, I want to make it something that would inspire and engage me. That's cool. That's really cool. That's a great, uh, frame to look at it through or lens to look at it through mm-hmm. is what would inspire and engage me. Mm-hmm. What is the message that you want to get out to our listeners? What do you want them to remember? It can be topic related or not. I think it's just about always challenge yourself. There is no end game. I don't think you ever get to a point where you're like, okay, this is it. There should always be something new to explore. And Mm -hmm. even if it doesn't turn out, um, that's okay. You've taken away a learning experience. And you, as long as you learn something from every experience, then it's been a positive. It's been a blessing. So just don't be afraid to challenge yourself. It's okay to like chill sometimes and just get your feet underneath you. But I think it's important to always be challenging yourself and looking to expand what you have and share what you have. That is a great message. <laughs> the sharing part. This, that was the last plug for you to do a conversation. Well, maybe the last one. I think. I don't know. 
Uh, okay, so how can people connect with you if they want to after the show? Sure. Um, I am on LinkedIn under my name, Colette Boynton, and I also am on Twitter at, um, at Boynton Colette. My names are reversed there. Mm-hmm. And then my personal email is cboyn203 at yahoo.com. All right. Well, thank you so much, Colette Boynton, for sharing your thoughts today. And thank you so much, listeners. Watch for another episode of the If You Ask Betty podcast soon. Peace out.